0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. We're starting a new series today. I know we started a new series last week as I announced. It was just a short series one day. So we're starting a real new series today on relationships. We were challenged last week by Phil, I think Jeff has a slide, to invite five guys to come join us this morning. If you invited a guy to come join this morning and he's here, I wish you'd stand up and introduce him. (laughs) We're in trouble. Yeah. Let me take the lead in this. I I, I telepathically invited a friend who showed up this morning. He says he's been to Roundtable round table before, but he hasn't been here since we met upstairs, Ralph.
1: Thank you Ralph for being here.
0: Thank you. We got a contingent from Yazoo City over here. Anybody, any, any any new friends from Yazoo City? We don't have friends. No friends from Yazoo City. As Billy told me this morning, the difference in a friend and a good friend, a friend would invite you, a good friend would be in jail with you still. Billy, we got to work on that. Okay guys, a challenge then. Take just a second. Take 30 seconds if you need it. You got a phone? Pick your phone up, grab your phone, not everybody at once, grab your phone. That guy that you were going to ask, the guy you were going to invite, send him a text message right quick. Hey, I'm here, I wish I had told you to join me, could you be here next week? I asked you to come, did you make it? Come on, we're going to wait just a second, give you a chance to invite a couple of guys this is what time we meet. Wish you were here. Hey, go to menstable.com. Log on. Join us virtually. If you're laying in bed, you can still do that. Relationships. Well, if you have friends, maybe not good friends, If you're like me, somebody who grew up in a family that um, I was modeled friends, my dad has many, many friends, and as I became older, I realized that my dad had many, many friends as a business owner. They were all business friends, but true friends, he didn't have many. So If you're an adult man and you're trying to figure out how to get through life and how to make it, and you need somebody to lean on, you need that person maybe that would have gone to jail with you, but actually the guy that would be a good friend and say, no, I don't think we ought to do that. Fish camp and deer camp are great places to start that. Come be a part of community where guys are real with each other. And I'll assure you, you will make friends there and you will feel an acceptance unlike anything you've ever been involved in. Fish camp. January 28th, two weeks from tomorrow, the first one. You can go online and register at uh, menstable.com, BPO International, there's a place there to, uh, a link to BPO, a the place there to register. I encourage you to do that if you've never been to a deer camp or never been to a fish camp, I encourage you to do that. Let me up with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity of being here. Lord, we thank you for C Spire and for the leadership team, for Phil, and for the breakfast we're enjoying this morning. God, thank you so much for every man here, every family represented. I thank you for the courage that these men take every week coming here. I thank you for the courage of them inviting other men to be a part of this. For those men that may not be here, ask your blessing upon them. Keep us safe, Lord. It's your near name we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Morning, gentlemen, um, before I play the song for you and and we kind of get into our, our study, um, I wanna um, ask Ron uh, to come up and um, Joe, he'll use your uh, microphone. Um, we are so fortunate um, to have so many resources, uh, you know, that, that we try to expose you to in terms of books or websites, um, all that sort of thing. And I wanted uh, Roan to, to come and share um, an exciting piece of uh, the work uh, that he and uh, Eva are involved in.
3: Thanks, dude. Um, yeah, guys, I just wanted to uh, just give you a quick update. Uh, we mentioned our book uh, that uh, came out uh, towards the end of last year. Um, and uh, it's kind of surreal uh, in a way uh but our book uh has achieved bestseller status on amazon um and it uh it, it on the back it has number one international best-selling book in three addiction and recovery categories and if you order on amazon it, it has a little medal this little medallion on the front this says uh, international bestseller um which is just kind of amazing, really. Uh, It's pretty exciting. Uh, One of the things that we're finding is that um, uh, many therapists, the feedback that we're getting uh, is that they are so appreciative of this book because there's just so little out there on couples' recovery from sexual betrayal. Uh, the, The actual full title of the book is Sex, God, and the Chaos of Betrayal the couple's roadmap of hope and healing recovery from infidelity, affairs, pornography, and sexual addiction. And, um, just so many therapists, uh, because there's no greater crisis in a marriage, maybe the, certainly the loss of a child. Uh, but when betrayal occurs and, uh, it is a, it is, it is a, a difficult process, uh, with the level of crisis that the couple is in, when discovery happens, however it happens, whether it's admitted to or it's discovered, uh, this betrayal trauma that the partner experiences is very real. And then the betrayer uh, has got his own trauma of discovery uh, because of what's going on in his world in that moment. And so we are certainly just—just—I um, uh, mean, it, it's even hard to put the words. Uh, just how God is 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 using um, this and will continue to do so. And I just wanted to give you guys an update and certainly thank you for just all your prayers and support and uh, all the encouragement uh, from many of you along the way. Thank you, guys.
2: Thank you. So, gentlemen, I am um, excited as we begin our um, journey into Isaiah, or through Isaiah, and this idea of um, relational healing. Um, The resource, along with Isaiah, that we're going to use through this series that I would recommend to you is this book, Renovated, God, Dallas Willard, and the Church that Transforms by Jim Wilder. So um, as I've said to you before, my spiritual gift is plagiarism and personalization. So much of what I'll be sharing is right out of this book. Uh, So if you want more of what I'm going to be sharing and a better explanation of it, then um, read the book. I'd encourage you uh, to do that. Much of what I'll be sharing is right out of the book. Uh, So hopefully that covers me for the next several weeks in terms of my plagiarism charges. (laughs) Um, so this idea of, of Isaiah, um, is such a powerful picture of the hope of, um, being changed, to being restored, to being renovated. And I want to share a song with you, um, Uh, that um, offers that very hope and that very promise. It's a song called Ruins, Rebuild My Soul by Thrive Worship. Follow with me as I read just a portion of the words, um, and hopefully it'll be even more meaningful as we listen to the song, of course. The words to the song Ruins, Rebuild My Soul. The war came through and tore my walls apart. The battle wounds expose the fear in my heart. Surrounded by the ashes of defeat, what could I do? Where could I go? It might look like the end for me, but your grace would disagree. You saw a new creation. You see what I could be. You won't leave me in ruins. You won't leave me alone, you rebuild my soul, you rebuild my soul. There's no damaged pieces that your love can't make whole. You rebuild my soul, you rebuild my soul. You never saw me as a lost cause. I know the ground is level here at the cross. You surrounded me with open arms. What could I do? Where could I go? May you hear the voice of God. And may he open our hearts to what he has for us this morning.
1: the fear in my heart Surrounded by the ashes of defeat What could I do? Where could I go? It might look like the end for me But your grace would disagree
2: Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men. be strong. First Corinthians 16:13. I'm excited again of, about our new series, our new journey and my hope and prayer um, is that when we finish this series in several weeks from now, that you and I will be different. Because we have seen the Lord freshly rebuild, renovate, restore uh, the broken pieces um, in our lives. I want to be different next week. I want to be different next month. I want to be standing before you a year from now and be a different man. Um, one of the uh, of the experiences that I have in working with men for, you know many years, is that we don't take seriously enough the idea of growth and change. That what we do is we manage our lives and we keep getting older and blowing out birthday candles, but, but we don't necessarily grow up. I know a lot of immature old guys. And what this series is about is growing up, being different, being transformed, renovated, restored, rebuilt. Now, before we read our introductory piece, um, the uh, logo that we're using uh, in our series is um, Michelangelo's uh, rendering uh, of Isaiah, the prophet, that is uh, in the Sistine uh, Chapel uh, at the Vatican. It's a beautiful painting. Uh, Isaiah uh, is uh, sitting the cherubim uh, 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 over his right shoulder, and then the book there on his left side um, implies the book of Isaiah, of course. But that's a little art lesson uh, this morning. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. The power of relationship to restore and renovate us. Isaiah 58, 12 um, is a powerful passage. It's much like the promise out of Isaiah 61 that Jesus uh, read to begin his ministry. And we uh, read even last week, But Isaiah 58, 12 out of the message says this, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. Guys, the, the promise out of that passage is that we together as a community, as a church, uh as a group of men can rebuild and support one another. I sat with a young man um this week who who is who came to see me because he's struggling uh with pornography. Wow. 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 Okay, so we've heard that all too often, right? And I'm sitting there, and part of what I invited him to do, of course, next I'm going to invite him to fish camp, deer camp. Hopefully, he'll be um, at uh, certainly deer camp in uh, March uh, first weekend in March is our first deer camp. But until then, he needs community. So you know, I told him about our Monday night group that Ron leads and the guys. And then i invited him to do this i want you to have a pizza party and i want you to get three guys i said who who's three guys that would be your closest buddies and he named three guys and i said "Do you have a fire pit he said yeah i have a fire pit i said we'll try to pick a, a, a a generally warm night uh in uh january and february and i said you get those three guys um around that fire pit and you tell them about your struggle with pornography. I wish I had a camera when I told him that. (coughs) You mean you want me to tell them? I said, yeah. I said, who have you told so far? Well, my wife. And I told him, I said, dude, your wife is tired of hearing about that. And I said, I'm not suggesting you keep it a secret from your wife, but every time that you fell in pornography or you fell and you keep telling your wife, That's actually doing more damage than help because you're uh, implying to her that somehow your accountability to her and your vulnerability with her will heal your brokenness and that's too much weight on that bridge. That'll collapse the bridge. You need a group of men. And that's what this passage is talking about. Who's going to rebuild? You'll use the old rubble. It's the community. God is going to give us the tools, but we are the... Builders. That's what the passage says. Follow with me as I continue. Restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus, the gospel. Restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure attached relationship. And again, in seminary and theologians, we call it I am saved, I'm being saved and I will be saved. It's always a continual process. It's not, okay, I'm saved, now what? No, it is a a continual process. So much Christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth. And what I would say there is it's like, the more information that I get, the better I'll be, dude. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, I mean, even uh, when uh, uh, around the time that Scripture was being written, Gnosticism was a strong um, cultish influence on the early church, and Gnosticism was just men who knew and knew and knew and knew and knew and knew and knew, but their hearts but biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. How you handle love will shape you. I mean, think about it. When a baby is born, you know, if somehow you just put the baby in a room and started playing tapes of great intellectual knowledge, and hope that the baby would somehow turn out good. Dude, that baby is gonna be crazy as a loon with a whole lot of information. And I know men, I think that that happened to them. (laughs) I know those guys. The book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah. But in addition to bringing pardon for sin, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us wholly Mind, will, and emotion. And what I hope that you'll see is that it is the deep, deep, intimate, and organic connection to Jesus that the book of Isaiah promises and that we are invited into today. Finally, this study is about showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful, mutual connection with Jesus, which will lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity attachment love the key to transformation attachment love i'm going to tease that out as best i know in the the time we have this morning so pick up your pen engage Uh, we want to limit passivity around here as much as we can and let's engage so i have three questions for you first question Describe how love was expressed and experienced in your home as you were growing up. Mm-hmm. Describe that. Maybe use three words. What did it look like? Love at your house growing up. Love at your house. Three words that come to your mind. Three words come to your mind. How, is, how, how did it look? What did it look like? At my house, um, there was um, lots of um, order, lots of rules. Do right, be right, everything will be all right. That's kind of the way it worked. I want you to turn to your partner there and just share what you wrote down. How did love get expressed at your house growing up? Meet somebody new, partner. Now, if you sat with somebody and they shared with you, just all the intimate uh, closeness with their dad and all the times that their dad just sat with them and um, talked about life and validated your emotions and shared openly uh, about his struggles with life and, and you saw your dad just loving affectionately your mom, and it was just incredible the amounts of expression of intimacy and closeness and love in your family you're a unicorn <laughs> welcome glad you're here so where do you experience love now where do you experience in other words that question is where do you feel loved write that down where do you feel loved I, you know, I, I hear it all the time. I you know, I know she loves me. Or I know they they love me. Really? When do you feel love? When do you feel love? And I would I would I would just suggest to you, again, this is a men's group, that if your answer to that is when we have sex, um you're in trouble because once again i would suggest to you as wonderful as sex is and yeah i'm all for sex as we all are right but sex it was never intended to be the primary experience of love it's it's more of the uh, of the uh icing on the cake than the cake it, it, once again that's too much weight on that bridge and if you can't get it at home You'll go outside the home. Hungry men eat out of trash cans. That's how that works. So, how do you feel love? Where do you feel love? And then finally, how do you express love? How do you express love? I had a guy in my office this week, <clears throat> been married longer than I have. And he's in my office because his marriage is not working. That's a long time, you know. And what he said to me, he said, you know, I don't understand. You know, my wife wants, wants me to come in and sit with you. I don't even really know what to talk about. Uh, I've, I've provided for her. Uh, we have everything we need materially. And I don't understand what the problem is. Wow. That's the problem right? There's no intimacy. There's no affection. There's no stickiness. And guys, that's what this study is about. All through the book of Isaiah, what God is saying to his people and to us is that I'm tired of this religious stuff. I want your affection, and I'm going to send somebody that's going to open your heart to true intimate connection, and his name is Jesus. That's what it's about. It's not about being better. It's about being in love. It's not about being better. It's about being in love. Through this series, my prayer is that you would fall deeply in love with Jesus, and that intimate connection with Jesus would restore and renovate your broken heart. So let's dive in. Isaiah. Isaiah is our model in order for us to be transformed or restored. And that's what we're gonna look at through this series. We'll dig into Isaiah a little bit, uh, get a reading on Isaiah, and then we'll look at what it means to be transformed today. Isaiah. The idea of Isaiah, again, is salvation. What are the words that come to your mind when you hear the word salvation? Salvation. What does that mean in newspaper English? You know, I'm saved. I'm saved. What does it mean? Salvation. What comes to your mind? Anybody? Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. New. New. White as snow. White as snow. Love that imagery. Oh, nothing. Yeah, own, oh, uh, nothing, nothing owed. You know, forgiveness, grace. grace. Yeah, being set right before God. So, so it's like the actual name Isaiah means Jehovah saves. And Isaiah was a prophet uh, in the southern kingdom and as we go through this, I'll, I'll give you more background. But, you know, at this time when Isaiah comes along, um, the northern kingdom is the ten tribes. Uh, the southern kingdom is Judah and uh, Benjamin. Uh, 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 and, and Judah is the capital. Of, or I mean, uh, Jerusalem is the capital, of course, of, of Judah. And it's the southern kingdom. And Isaiah was prophesying in the southern kingdom Um, to try to help the people come back to God. And interesting in Isaiah, it's like the book of Isaiah is a mini Bible. How many chapters are in the book of Isaiah? 66. How many books in the Bible? 66. Chapters 1 through 39 is the first section of the book. How many chapters... How many books, uh, in the old Testament 39. Uh, and then the latter part uh, of the book is chapters 40 through 66. That's 27 chapters. How many chapters in the new Testament 27? Isn't that cool? You know, again, it's, it's a book worth studying because it's such a journey of two messages. Um, And two messages related to this idea of salvation is judgment. And this idea of judgment, you know, we we often uh, say that there's three things that kill intimacy. Silence, no talking. And that may have been your experience at your house. We never talked about anything. Therefore, you're intimate deficient. And then the second thing that kills uh, intimacy is secrets. Secrets. We're hiding stuff. And then the third thing that kills intimacy is judgment. And all through Isaiah is this message that Isaiah is speaking uh, to the Jews there in Judah. God's going to bring judgment on you. He's going to bring judgment. He's going to bring the hammer down because you guys are not only not worshiping him, you're actually bringing pagan worship into your community. And yet all through that message of judgment through Isaiah is this continued message of hope. All through the book of Isaiah. Judgment and hope, judgment and hope. God never ever soft pedals or dilutes his standard, but he he always makes a way. God makes a way. And so the message in, uh, to us, as we look at Isaiah, it's like, man, you know, how am I offering my love and affection to less than adequate lovers? And God invites us back. He doesn't want me to do better. He wants me to be in intimate connection with him. It, it's not a performance. It's a love relationship. And so all through the book of Isaiah, he exposes sin and calls for repentance. He exposes sin and calls for repentance. And just in that first chapter, and again, I don't have time to go through this, but even in the first chapter is kind of this poetic exposure of the rebellion. And then and then, and then God's gonna bring the hammer down uh, retribution. And yet if you repent, Israel, there'll be restoration. So he always calls out the sin, calls out the brokenness consistently. And then he says, yep, all you got to do is bow the knee. Not do better, but surrender. Surrender to God. Surrender to God. And the power of this piece right here, relative to your and I, ability to have any kind of relationship with others or with God is that one word right there—forgiveness. So critical, guys. My uh, sweet snooka pooka, my oldest daughter, Audrey, uh, wrote a blog this uh, last week on forgiveness. I would recommend it to you. So go to hardenlife.com. Uh, Uh, and look in our blog and read her uh, blog on forgiveness. And she's very vulnerable in terms of how forgiveness has been an important part of her own healing. Um, There is no uh, hope in terms of us having any kind of a true relationship with God unless we experience forgiveness. Forgiveness is, is part of the equation. So Isaiah Will take us through this consistent message of brokenness and yet invite us in to this hopeful connection to God. So we really are promised, and we have the hope in the gospel of transformation. Transformation knowing how the brain learns character can transform how we teach ourselves and others how to be our true self and what being a Christian really is. Caring for one another. Dallas Willard, um, great mentor uh, to many of us, a teaching mentor, says this, psychology is the care of souls. The care of souls was once the province of the church, but the church no longer provides that care. The most important thing about the care of souls is that you must love them. My wife's pretty bold. We have a new pastor at our church. Um, We're excited about him. He is all about outreach. He's, He's like, he's not interested in a holy huddle, you know, And my wife walks up to him and she says, you know, Kyle, Kyle Kyle's his name. She says, you know, Kyle, uh, we share a similar heart. Phil and I are committed to outreach and reaching out to others and caring for others. And we believe that counseling, um, is the new form of outreach. Um, it is the vehicle. And I believe that not it's, it's not, the only outreach by any means. But counseling is critical because it's really the care of souls. It's loving other people, it's caring. And I meet people in my counseling practice that I would never meet. Of course, you know, when I have somebody new come into my counseling office, I'm immediately thinking, okay, dear camp, men's round table. You know, I wanna help you as best I can in my office, but I wanna get you connected to the community to the church, and that's how that works. Now I wanna show you a clip this morning that I wanna invite you, after you see this, to show it uh, to someone else, your wife, your family. This series, in my mind, is summarized in this one clip. This is a clip out of um, Meet Joe Black, and it's a conversation between a father and a daughter. And, and I, I think part of why this resonates with me so much is because I love my girls. I'm, I'm a father to two beautiful uh, adult young women. And so uh, the daughter, they're, they're, on, they're on the corporate uh, helicopter and they're headed into the office. And the daughter, what you're gonna see is, is engaged to Drew, who is sitting in the back of the helicopter. And dad has this dialogue Uh, with daughter. And he's really pushing her to really be in an intimate connection rather than just go through the motion. And guys, this is a conversation that goes way beyond a daughter and a potential son-in-law. This is the conversation that I would suggest to you that you and I need to hear God asking us, are you really in love with me? Or are you just going through the motion?
4: Watch this.
1: So ridiculous.
4: Do you love do? Do you love do? You mean like you loved Mom? Forget about me, Mom. Are you gonna marry him? Probably. Listen, I'm crazy about the guy. He's smart, he's aggressive, he could carry parish communications into the 21st century and me along with it. Mm-hmm. So what's wrong with that? That's for me. I'm talking about you. It's not what you say about you; it's what you don't say. Maybe you're not listening. Oh, yes, I am. There's not an ounce of excitement, not a whisper of a thrill. And this relationship is all the passion of a pair of titmice. I want you to get swept away. I want you to levitate. I want you to sing with rapture and dance like a dervish. Oh, that's all? Yeah, be deliriously happy. At least leave yourself open to me. Okay. Be deliriously happy. I shall, uh, I shall do my utmost. (laughs) I know it's a cornball thing, but love is passion, obsession, someone you can't live without. Hmm. I say. Fall head over heels, find someone you can love like crazy and who'll love you the same way back. How'd you find him? Well, you forget your head and you listen to your heart. And I'm not hearing any heart. Because the truth is, honey, there's no sense living your life without this. To make the journey and not fall deeply in love, well, you haven't lived a life at all. But you have to try, because if you haven't tried, You haven't lived. Bravo. Oh, you're tough. I'm sorry. Okay. Give it to me again. But the short version this time. Okay. Stay open. Who knows? Lightning could strike.
3: Gentlemen, I love that.
2: It's not talking about a boyfriend or a potential marriage. When I see that, I see that as John 21, when Jesus confronts Peter. Do you love me? Feed my sheep.
3: No, I mean, do you really love
2: me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you really agape me? Do you really phileo me? Do you really love me passionately? Guys, I want you to fall deeply in love with Jesus in such a way that people are asking you, what's the joy that I see in you? What's that aroma that I smell around you? The scripture says we carry the aroma of Jesus. And if you stink, then you may not love Jesus. There's an aroma of Jesus. What, is it, what does it really mean to believe in Jesus? I would suggest to you three things here. It means that we dialogue. I walk with him and I talk with him along life's narrow way, as the old hymn goes. Dialogue with God about everything. I'm talking, I'm journaling. I don't want to live without him. I'm deeply in love. And secondly, to do nothing out of fear. Guys, I tell you, man, I am tired of fear. I detest it and I do everything I can to speak against it in my own heart and in the hearts of those around me. Whether it's COVID or whatever, your money situation or whatever it is, I want you to be wise. I don't want you to be stupid. But to walk around with fear is to be controlled by the enemy. What is the opposite of love? It ain't hate. Relationally, Scripture is very clear that the opposite of love is fear. And then finally, this third one is to love people deeply. Do you love Jesus? Do you love me, Peter? Then feed my sheep. Hosea 6.6, 6, such a beautiful passage. And for the sake of time, I'll just read it off the screen here. Hosea 6.6 6, uh, exposes us to uh, a Hebrew word, chesed, chesed, uh, is best I can do in my Hebrew. But uh, go back to the start there, Jeff. Would. Uh, what am I to do with you, Ephraim? What do I make of you, Judah? Uh, Again, uh, Isaiah's audience. Your declarations of love, of hesed, last no longer than morning mist and pre-dawn dew. Superficial, he says. Um, That's why I use prophets like Isaiah to shake you to attention, Why my words cut you to the quick, to wake you up to my judgment blazing like light. I'm after hesed devotion passion intimacy that lasts not more religion i want you to know god and that idea of knowing god is this kind of sexual intimacy that adam knew eve it's this deep intimacy not go to more prayer meetings i'm tired of you doing this religious baloney The, uh, the idea of attachment love that even brain research is showing is identity and character are formed by who we love. That's how a baby grows up halfway normal. They get attached to mama. Mama's not sitting there telling them, you know, all the information they need to know about American history or algebra. I mean, that would be stupid. Mama is loving them. And as that child experiences love, embellishes love, their character is changed. Attachment to God is meant to replace the will as the mechanism of salvation and transformation. And guys, we have made our Christianity in many ways too will-oriented and not enough love-oriented that's like my friend that I was telling you about that's struggling with pornography. Now, if I was really into will, um, emphasis, I would have just say, well, you just need to stop. <laughs> you know, have you ever, have you ever had somebody struggling with an addiction, drugs, alcohol, sex, rock and roll? And, and it's like, you just, you just want to say, stop, not helpful, not Helpful. It's like going to an AA meeting and some idiot says, You know, I think the problem is with you is you're drinking too much. Well, that's why I'm here. The reason he goes and what he needs in the AA meeting is other broken people that will surround him and walk with him. And that's why I said to my friend that I sat with this week, struggling with um, pornography go get around your fire pit and get you three other guys and you start calling them instead of telling your wife every time you fail. Again, not to keep the secret from your wife, I'm not endorsing that, but what I'm saying is it's too much weight on that wife bridge if you expect your disclosure to her to be your best and only resource. Not true. Overvalue of that relationship. Guys, I'm excited about what the book of Isaiah will offer us. But I'm most excited about what the promised Messiah offers us every day. An intimate connection to the living God. That's what we need. We'll journey together. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much uh, for... Uh, loving us, forgiving us, making a way for us to be rebuilt, restored, renovated. And I pray, Lord, that every one of us uh, feel uh, your presence here today and that we would be different as we continue to walk with you in a way that would bring honor to your name and healing to our broken hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.